Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The O'Chelly Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the most underrated voice in all, in all media. Chuck O'Shelley. Seventh day of February 2023, allegedly, according to that thing we call a calendar. And this is indeed the show you were looking for. How do I know that? Because you're hearing me say this. Anyway, Tuesday, Tuesday, the second broadcast day of the week on the Ocelli.com radio network. And every once in a while, I've got to steal a guest from one of the other show hosts. And why? Because they have something important to say. Now, I, I might hang around. I know I went to air late. Sorry for you guys who listened to the live show. For those of you who pick up the podcast further on down the stream via your Fondle Slab of Choice, your applicable application, your pod catcher du jour, you don't care. You don't know what time of day it is, or maybe you do, and you're playing this whenever you feel like. Welcome to the show, no matter who you are, where you are, or when you are. Anyway... This is uh, a little little different, and I did say I had to steal somebody's guest. That guy was Jack Blood, who I was producing a show for, and frankly, I had heard stirrings about uh, an individual. Uh, not the individual who's the guest, but I had heard stirrings about this individual in many places. And even, well, quite frankly, uh, discussions started to come up this week when I was guest on other shows and stuff, and a name popped up. A person of interest. Why? Because of a situation of interest that we've all had to endure now for the past couple of years, right? What am I talking about? Well, I call it COVID-1984, and we're already banned on YouTube, so I don't think they can take us away from any other platforms, especially not the one that bears my name. But eh, who knows? We'll see in the near future. And in the age of digital book burning, we may have to talk about a book that you're going to have to get before I'm done. So enough uh, from the loudmouth from the Northeast who now lives in the Southeast. Uh, let me introduce my guest. And, well, he's going to tell you why he's here. But maybe give us a little bit of background about who you are, Brent, in case people missed the Jack Blood show a couple weeks ago, I think it was, on the network here. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, Brent Hamachek here, the, the co-author of the late Dr. Vladimir Zelenko's uh, book, Zelenko, How to Decapitate the Serpent. Uh, Zev loved talking about serpents and snakes, so he found a way to make it wind, wind its way into the book title. And I'm happy to be here with you. I want to make sure, though, so that I'm not confused during the show. When you talk about COVID-19, that's the same as the China flu, right? Because I always, uh, it appears they're the same thing. I get a little bit confused. I just want to make sure I use the right terminology. 
Well, see, I don't know what the. I mean, look, this is just this is you and I having a private conversation in public, okay? So let me let me just be frank with you, you about it. Um, the deal is, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know what the proper terminology is. I'm not up on what the uh, you know particular nomenclature is supposed to be to be politically correct and also palatable to the masses. I don't care anymore. I, I got to tell you because it, it, there's no reward in it. I mean, look, I'm a polite guy, and I don't just, you know, blurt out offensive things for the sake of not being politically correct. I, I don't I don't get it. it. You know, I'm only 50 years old, but I feel like I'm speaking like the guys that I used to encounter that were in their 80s used to speak, you know, regarding, oh, you guys, you just change things and the words. and But this is a confusing thing in and of itself. And Dr. Zelenko, well... Here's a guy who is, you know, first of all, used the word doctor, and already some people, uh, their, their, their red flags go up. But legitimately, there are people who actually choose to go along with the Hippocratic Oath, you know, doing no harm, uh, serving people, right. wishing to uh, take care of people. And, well, they are confronted with what is the proper nomenclature? What is the right way to say it? This thing that is a vaccine out there right now, which, uh, you know, has been out for a while. Um, is it actually even a vaccine uh, by definition? You know, I got to say, I don't know to, to, to correct you or to tell you, no, you're not using the right word. <laughs> I, I said COVID-1984 because I feel like there was uh, an increase in the capitalist surveillance system that, you know, most people uh, have grown to uh, be fully accustomed and acclimated to, uh, you know, it's we're, we're we're in a dip, we're in a new world. I'm not sure if it's a brave new world. Yes, I'm right. purposely loading my statements here. Uh, but the thing is, I don't Huxley know what. Hopefully, Orwell mean. would be proud. I I think so, and it is a confu a point of confusion. I mean, after all, the 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 drug soma was not even created until after it was a a a, a uh, an element in a fictional construct, right? You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to this kind of stuff <laughs> and the pre-programming and the programming, it, it's hard to say. So if you want to define a couple of terms just to make sure everybody's familiar with the story that I want you to tell, uh, well, uh, please do. Well, of course, I was uh, I was sort of making a joke when I when I said was COVID the same as the China flu. I, like you, like to be a little bit politically incorrect. Hell, I like to be a lot politically incorrect. Sometimes. And right? um, I'm... Um, you know the the term COVID is is banished in my house, and uh, nobody's allowed to use it. So it's just a rule I have, and it's my way of being a little bit silly, a little bit obstinate, uh, a little bit defiant. But I'm frustrated with what we've gone through for the last uh, three years as a as a people, uh, being told how we need to speak and what we need to do, and all of those things, and turns out that referring to it as the China flu offends people, so I'm good with that. Hmm. And okay. so that's that's why I choose it. Um, it's, I guess it's my version of burning my bra in the 60s where I have a different time and gender. Hmm. Right, and look, uh, I, I have no objection to somebody who occasionally wants to throw up a middle finger, you know, uh, just because <laughs> it will get attention. Uh, look, I don't think it's necessary all the time. You know, I don't have to walk into every grocery store and lecture whoever happens to be within the sound of my voice, but I'm tempted to, uh, you know, because I, I see counterproductive 
and counterintuitive things going on all the time. So, look, let's not descend too far into this, because the story that you need to tell here today, uh, according to right. what it is I'm trying to deprogram people about, is is super important. And I think it needs to be uh, explained. Now, I'll just give you a couple of tidbits uh, of things that have been mentioned to me regarding, uh, you know, look, and Zelenko is, is uh, an interesting name for sure. I keep saying Dr. Z to uh, speak in a, a shorthand with people who want to, talk to me about it off air or whatever uh but you know full disclosure i'm not entirely familiar with the whole story but i think it's important sure. to start with uh the circumstance and the person of interest right and the circumstance we all know already we don't need to belabor that i mean we all have our own version of it uh living in georgia you know i wasn't necessarily forced to always have to wear a mask everywhere uh but that is still in play um, not so much here as if I was in or as opposed to if I still lived in New Jersey or New York, right, where there might be more requirements for me during the day to wear a mask. There might be more proof that needs to be shown that I have been vaccinated. I'm holding up air quotes. It's audio, I know, but I'm holding up air quotes because, right. you know, again, uh, the terms alone are, 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 are dizzying to the average individual if they're not just looking for orders from the powers that be and looking to appeal to their authority, uh, whatever it is they think their authority is, political, medical, etc. And, and again, another uh, piece of disclosure is I have not become extremely, oh, let's say, comfortable with the idea of even trusting uh, the men in the white coats, which I call the uh, doctors, okay? Because... I, I this is where I'm at. I'm being honest with you. Uh, but this is a unique story because I, I've had tidbits thrown at me like, well, Dr. Zelenko, he treated Donald Trump, didn't he? Or Dr. Zelenko, he was uh, an Orthodox Jew, and therefore, and I'm like, oh, boy. You know, and, and you know that this is a reality, and I'm not afraid to touch on any of these things, uh, you know, honestly and objectively. I don't believe that hateful rhetoric is has anything to do with my role in life but it is a reality so i'm willing to examine it now just examining it uh gets you in trouble but look i'm digressing again the point is there's a lot of elements here and i'd like to bring it all together and pretty much just have you lay it out for somebody who says you know what i, I don't know anything about dr zelenko i don't know anything about the story uh i don't know anything about why this is even remotely important or heroic which it is I don't know why it is that, you know, you, you can give a class in ethics here uh, based on a guy's behavior. Uh, I don't know anything about it. So how do you bring somebody in who says, you know what, I have no idea what Chuck is talking about right now. Uh, outside of, I, I know what I lived through the past three years. And the thing that is the China flu or that is the <laughs> COVID-1984 agenda, uh, which is a little different than just saying COVID. So I don't think I'd be banned in your house. Although it might make you cringe, yeah. I, I well, yeah. you'd be a guest too, so I'd permit it. Ah, see, and it's there good, you go. It's good, yeah. And there you go, and you'd permit it, but you might say, "Look, addendum, I don't like COVID," <laughs> but that's fair enough. It's your home, and you have a right to do that. And hey, there's another subject that could come. I'm up, just again, kidding with you, of course. It's okay. I, I jokes. I got it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> and you can even make fun of me. Fair enough. I have no problems here, but. I do have a problem with I want to get the story out 
and I want to make sure that people hear this as many as can because it's important. So we know the circumstance. Tell us who Dr. Zelenko was. Now, again, spoiler, uh, Dr. Zelenko is no longer among us. But please go ahead and tell us who he was in general before all of this. Sure. So uh, Vladimir Zelenko, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, uh, was a man who lived what what Americans love to hear about. He lived the we call the hero's journey. Right. So he was actually born in Kiev, um, in Jewish family, had lost uh, family members long before his birth uh, to the Holocaust. So his family had a history of suffering and a history of excuse me, a history of genocide or exposure to it, right? And uh, so that was something he carried with him and will become relevant as the story progresses. Mm -hmm. But um, they immigrated from uh, Kiev to the United States when he was four. And, uh, you know, he grew up, lived a modest life, attended a modest medical school, and became a modest family medical practitioner in upstate New York, uh, treating patients largely in the Orthodox Jewish community. And if your um, if your listeners will recall, when the pandemic started in early 2020, one of the earliest outbreaks was within the Orthodox Jewish community in New York. So, so hang on to that for a minute. Go back just a couple of years prior, 2018, before the start of the pandemic, and Zev was given a terminal cancer diagnosis. He had a form of aortic cancer, a tumor. That's so rare that number one, it's always terminal, and number two, it's typically not diagnosed until autopsy. Mm. But it had been found accidentally during another surgery when he also had to have a lung removed. And so by the time the pandemic rolled around in early 2020, here was a man who was just a regular doctor facing a terminal cancer diagnosis with a good number of children and, uh, you know, uh, and, and then the world starts to implode. And what he noticed right away is that he was having patients coming in to see him, and they were complaining of sort of flu-like symptoms, but they were dying, and he knew this wasn't the flu. So his word spread of what was coming instead of this uh, mild-mannered physician sitting back and waiting for either the government or the medical industrial complex to come out and tell him what to do, he decided to do something that doctors don't do enough of these days. And he went out and tried to do some research and some digging and to figure it out himself. Mm. He used critical thinking skills. He used the Internet and used his mind. And what he came across in March of 2020 was a video that somebody sent him that was on YouTube that uh, showed the effect of hydroxychloroquine and its ability to assist zinc, a natural enemy of coronavirus, to get inside of a cell and kill coronavirus early. So for your audience, we, uh, we go into detail on this in the book, by the way. Uh, but I'll, I'll do a quick non-medical person's version of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Coronavirus, like any other virus, when it gets into your body, it goes inside the cellular level it multiplies, divides, and explodes out of that cell eventually and goes and hunts for whatever part of the body that virus likes. In the case of uh, the China flu virus, it particularly likes lung tissue. So what Zev discovered in watching this video and doing some thinking 
is he thought, what if I start to treat people with hydroxychloroquine that naturally will attach to zinc, take it inside of the cell, and kill this virus before it has a chance to multiply and break out? Now, the role hydroxychloroquine plays is very important, and it was never intended that hydroxychloroquine was going to be a cure for the disease. In fact, hydroxychloroquine on its own doesn't do anything. Here's what it does do. Zinc is what kills the coronavirus. But zinc has a problem. When it goes inside your body, it'll naturally attach to water. Your cells are coated with a sort of oil. We all know the expression about oil and water, right? They don't get along well. Right. So zinc on its own has a very difficult time of getting inside that cell. But add it to hydroxychloroquine and the zinc attaches there instead. And it can get carried inside the cellular level. So what Zev started to do in March of 2020, and I didn't misspeak, while the rest of the country was locking down, he was starting to treat patients. He moved the clock forward to the end of his life in 2022 when the cancer finally claimed him. He had overseen the treatment for over 7,500 patients using what became known as the Zelenko Protocol and had three deaths. Okay, let me pause three. you. Let me pause you for a moment right there. He had three deaths out of 7,500. All right, and why? Correct. I want to I provide a little bit of personal context here. Because in April of 2020, uh, I became extremely ill, all right? And uh, one of the very, very few people who is an active member of the medical community that I trust advised me right away that uh, zinc was something that I needed to add to uh, my daily regimen to assist me. Uh, and, and a few other things. Now, I'm not giving out advice or protocol here or even telling people all of what I took because I don't do that. I don't feel confident in supplying that. But anyway, it just so happens that this is exactly the time where I was ill uh, and very ill. Okay? So I, I have not been tested for it, but I'm fairly certain that I had this China flu, coronavirus, whatever it was that it was at the time. Um, and you know what? I, I, I survived it. I battled it, but it was pretty extreme. Now that's one piece of personal context. Another piece is that at a certain point in my life, um, I lived in a, uh, a community that was dominated, um, on one, in one half of the community was fully dominated by, uh, the Orthodox Jewish community. And that was in Lakewood, New Jersey. So I became very familiar with uh, certain behaviors. Now, I know some people probably heard in, in your description here, well, this is uh, a doctor who is Jewish, has a Jewish background, is working in the Orthodox Jewish community. This is uh, not unusual. Uh, there are certain differences in the way patients uh, demand to be treated or required to be treated uh, based on their religious beliefs. And frankly, uh, somebody who's familiar treats them based on those accepted um, conventions, let's say, okay? Uh, being objective here, but this is not even really a key to the story. I remember, though, at the time, there was controversy over, well, the Orthodox Jewish community doesn't want to be vaccinated. Uh, look at this. Isn't this terrible? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And um, 
I just want to put it in context that at this time there was controversy over that. And they were focusing, I think, on New York City more than New York State, uh, which is different. Uh, the landscape is different. The circumstances are different. But, look, people are people. This is the population he's treating. And it's not really super relevant, um, you know, for somebody who is, like, getting at this story outside of it is relevant to this is the reality, okay? I just want to make that real clear because you know how some people are. Immediately they hear, well, uh, look, I'm going to be blunt and slightly offensive here. Well, this is a Jew treating Jews. This is going to be different, right? Uh, maybe, you know, a little bit because certain things are not necessarily allowed medically, etc., and uh, even just serving food and working under the supervision of a rabbi in that community. Uh, you you, you got to learn how things are done. I mean, the very simplistic don't mix uh, dairy and meat together, I mean, is, is just one element of it, right? Uh, just saying, there's specialized circumstances here, but that is an amazing number. When you're talking about three deaths, I mean... I, I got to say, it seems like the China flu not very threatening if properly treated. Uh, right. In general, so, so uh, do you think that context is all fair? Well, uh, yeah, sure. No, I, okay. it's yeah, it's fair. And uh, with regard to uh, the treatment and the vaccine, I think your, uh, you know, your listeners, if they read the book, and I hope they will, uh, they'll they'll find it interesting to learn that when Operation Warp Speed was announced uh, in the late spring of 2020, uh, Zeb was all in favor of it. In fact, uh, as somebody who had terminal cancer and was missing a lung, and during a pandemic that attacked lung tissue, he was about as high risk as you could be. So he actually thought of volunteering to be a test subject for the vaccine as they developed it. Another interruption just to give the note to the listener. If you are uh, listening to this via the podcast, in the show notes will be a link so you can go and acquire the book. Uh, also a link directly to the website, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, you, you guys will have links immediately to go and purchase this thing or peruse the information for yourselves, as per always. Also a contact uh, for for Brent here. Uh, will be included in the show notes. I'll also try and put them in the uh, live chat room at Ocelli.com, which you can roll back later. Sorry, Brent, please continue, and I'll try not to interrupt so much. No, that's that's fine. Um, so when Operation Warp Speed was announced, he was in favor and willing to even be a test subject. By the time the vaccine came out in late 2020, December, you know, right around the 1st of January, uh he wasn't against the vaccine. Uh, he just didn't have any interest in taking it because by that time he had successfully treated so many patients and had other doctors who had picked up and adopted his protocol treating so many patients successfully. I mean, it wasn't just that some were getting better. They were all getting better and it didn't make any difference what their risk profile was. So Zeb's thought was, why do I want to take a vaccine when if I get this disease, I know it can just be easily treated? So why introduce an unknown into my body? But at that point in time, he wasn't concerned about it necessarily. And uh, then, then he watched what was happening with patients 
of his who were coming in after having had the vaccine and experiencing a myriad of what we've come to call vaccine injuries. Mm. Injuries, by the way, all of which were predicted by the pharmaceutical companies in a presentation to the FDA prior to its launch. Well, in their literature, in the book. and also in their literature as well, uh, you know, they, they stated that, you know, a lot of the things that the media was saying about this vaccine were not necessarily what the companies that actually developed it were saying. I mean, uh, is that an accurate statement, you think? Uh, yeah, so they they presented a PowerPoint uh, to uh, to the FDA prior to the rollout, and in that PowerPoint, and we have a slide from it in the book, it shows the list of all the likely complications. And I can tell you, when you read down the list, I at least uh, can tell you at least one person I know who's had at least one of those uh, vaccine injuries. All of them accounted for in in the list that was provided so they they knew what was going to happen and uh went ahead with it anyway and you would think that for his work and effort to come up with an effective treatment uh dr zelenko would have been you know given a parade you know in uh through times square but instead he was vilified and the reason he was vilified was because the treatment he had discovered was very low cost and very readily available and very safe. Mm. And one of the things your audience may not know, although by this time folks that listen to you tend to be more in the know, uh, you can't get emergency use authorization for a vaccine for a disease that is easily treatable in an effective and affordable way. So the emergency use authorization, which is how the vaccines came to market, was granted because the pharmaceutical companies and the government shook hands and said, there's no way to treat this disease, is there? Wink, wink. And so began the money-making machine. And also, from the political side, not only the money from the pharmaceutical companies, but also the ability to have the power over people to force them to have this vaccine. And don't underestimate for a moment uh, the role that the the ability to wield power over others plays in political leaders. It's been around for several thousand years. It was around two years ago, and it's around today. No, absolutely true. And again, the idea that the the propaganda in the media was one thing, especially when you look at the fact that you know, look, you you Don Lemons of the world hate to uh, uh, call people out by name, but let's do it. Uh, your Don Lemons of the world, your your Fox News, your guess what? The whole political spectrum. Uh, take a look at who sponsors their programming. You know, tons of Pfizer, tons of Moderna, tons of literally responsible for uh, giving them the funds to do their presentations, wherein right. they were, you know, uh, launching this and telling you, you need to do this. This is the only way to make yourself safe to uh, uh, assure the safety of your neighbors, uh, your family, you know, literally saying stuff like, you know, you're going to go kill grandma if you don't do this. I mean, th th this is the atmosphere which we're dealing with. So you challenge that structure by saying, look, uh, some cheap, effective things could be used to deal with this. It's no longer 
the emergency that needs to be authorized, is it? Right, that's that's exactly right. You know, and th- there was a lot of stuff that, that was at work here, a lot of different moving parts to this thing. Mm-hmm. So if we look at the at the medical community, by the time we got to the end of 2020, every doctor in the country either knew that this disease could be treated or they had an IQ under 70 and shouldn't have been practicing medicine anyway. <laughs> the information was there. Mm-hmm. So every doctor knew, but most doctors weren't treating. Why? Well, let's see. Let's think about it. There's only a handful of reasons. It's sort of just a logic problem. One of the reasons was they were being told not to by the people that own their physicians groups or the hospitals in which they had their practice rights. So they were being told by ownership, basically, don't treat people. Why? Well, here we go. First of all, if they get really sick, they'll wind up in the hospital. We'll make more money. Secondly, there's a vaccine coming that's going to be quite lucrative. So hold off, don't treat them, unless they get better. The other reason they wouldn't treat them is because they were told not to and they were afraid to defy the orders. That's different, right? One is you're just told not to and so you don't. The other one is you're told not to and you know better and you're afraid. Mm-hmm. And so these were doctors who let people go home possibly to die, knowing full well they could die, and the reason they did it is they were afraid that something might happen to them. They might lose their job or their country club membership or their parking privilege. And so instead they elected to take the easy path. Right. And, and then there and were so also did the doctors public. who refused yeah. to treat people mm-hmm. over politics. Well, and I was going to say. treat them over politics. Yeah. Are you, no, I'm sorry. I, I just want to throw over. one thing in really fast. And that is on the other side of this, from the public's perspective, it was also supposed to be free, right? So, you know, this is free, free, uh, you know, free to the public. You're, you're in your Walmart. Come and get your free vaccine. The vaccine is free. The vaccine is free. Uh, reality of that is that, you know, we, we, we examined that on this show uh, about how, you know, basically even when it was free, it wasn't free. Somebody paid for it, and here's how it got done. It was highly lucrative. I mean, make no mistake, because some people might say, how right. lucrative could it be if it was a free vaccine? It was because the Medicare fund was paying, uh, every insurance company was paying, everybody was paying, okay? Even if you personally were told it was free to you, you were somehow right, paying. Right, of course. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, it's not about it's not about people paying out of their pocket. It's that uh, everybody was being paid through the government funding, right. everyone was being paid to produce it and distribute it. Right. So it was, uh, we turned the entire country into Veda Perón. I mean, the money just kept rolling in. Right. So yet you also have to remember that there were some doctors that refused to, to treat people over politics. Mm. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, sometimes people like to say, uh, you know, Donald Trump was responsible for a million people dying during this pandemic. I would actually argue that they're right, but for the wrong reason. Yes. The reason he was responsible is because he mentioned hydroxychloroquine out loud. And the minute he said it out loud, if anybody else maybe in history, except perhaps Richard Nixon, had said it out loud, everybody would have said, well, let's go take a look at this. But because Donald Trump said it out loud, it became a matter of politics. 
Trump couldn't be right about this, couldn't be allowed to be right about this. So in the book, we point to some of the false studies that were deliberately false and put together and then discredited in order to, to sort of shoot the hydroxychloroquine balloon down as if it were a Chinese one flying over to the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was done very quickly. Why would you do that? Why would you want to why would you want to try to dismiss and create false data about something that could save lives? Well, we always we already mentioned reason number one. It was money. Mm -hmm. The other reason was because Donald Trump said it was a good idea, and that could not be allowed to stand. Well, right, but what could be allowed to stand was Operation Warp Speed. And look, uh, on the one hand, he's saying you can do this, you can do that, and when he got COVID himself, right, allegedly. Uh, he went to Walter Reed and got all these treatments, and he told you right out front and made a whole show of it. Take it off the mask. I'm fine. Uh, this was problematic because how are you going to make people fearful if he can be fine that quickly? Well, he had the best of all circumstances, right? So maybe that's the thing. You, though, need your free vaccine. I mean, that 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 is the general message that I was receiving just trying to observe the mainstream media at the time, right? Um, and I've got questions in the chat room, which I'm going to hold till the end, guys. But if you want to put more in, go ahead, because I'll be more than happy to uh, uh, pass them along to Brent. Go ahead, Brent. Sorry. No, it's okay. I was just, uh, with regard to when President Trump got the virus, uh, we share in the book that uh, Zev was involved in the president's treatment. He was not running his treatment. Mm -hmm. He was not the doctor who treated Trump somehow or other as though he were in charge of his care. Uh, but he was consulted. And what he did share and would not share in exact detail for reasons uh, personal and private to him is he said what the public was told about the president's treatment wasn't exactly all there was to tell about how he was treated. Mm -hmm. So he also said that the case that the president had was never as severe as the media made it sound, and that he was never in any actual danger. So those are just you know interesting bits, tidbits for cocktail parties. But you know, to, if uh, we want to take some questions from uh, audience, I always love to do that. Here's what I will tell you about the book in summary. First of all. Uh, the book can be purchased at zelenkobook.com. And uh, when you buy it from zelenkobook.com or from Amazon directly, either way, uh, all of the proceeds, including my royalties, go to the Zelenko Freedom Foundation. Mm -hmm. And the uh, foundation was started by Zev almost as a dying declaration. He announced it just a couple of weeks before he died. It is uh, ably run by Ann Vandersteel and Kevin Jenkins, two wonderful people and very respected in the medical freedom movement. And uh, so the foundation owns the book. I gave them the copyright, and they own the, the proceeds. So when you, when you buy the book, I, the things that have been said about it by those who have read it have been very humbling. And uh, as a writer, uh, you know, you, you always sort of, uh, take pause before you read what people are writing in reviews about something you've written, but they've been very good, and so that's nice. Uh, but in binary, I think you'll get a good read, and you'll also be doing good works uh, because your money will go to support Zeb's foundation 
and help continue his legacy. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you just eliminated one of the questions from the chat room. That's that's fine. But uh, just to make it very clear, you're not actually profiting on the book that you uh, that that has bears your name. So it is all going that to is, that yes. is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. So there's one question answered, actually. Uh, but uh, please go ahead, though. Tell us a little more about this because. Uh, obviously, there's there's a bit more to the story. I mean, I, clearly, I would like people to read the book and get the whole story, uh, so to speak. But um, but I mean, give us a few more things. I'm glad you clarified the thing about the president's treatment because uh, that was a question that I had before the show uh, from people that knew that you were coming on uh, regarding this because some yeah. people have stated that well, he was one of the president's doctor or the doctor who treated Trump. Uh, Etc. And look, I'm not trying to make a political statement about it. I'm not a I'm not a Trump supporter. Uh, I'm I'm not a Trump supporter for different reasons than some people uh, are not Trump supporters. But uh, I lived in New Jersey. Let's leave it there. Um, so and actually, I met the guy. Um, but just uh, since well, maybe on, maybe you're a Springsteen fan. That I hope. No, I'm actually not too big of a Springsteen fan either. Even though I was a musician oh, and was in this. God. In the same music scene as Springsteen, uh, you know, and, and, you know, younger, so after he was a, a large success. But I played the same clubs Bruce did. I, you know, Asbury Park was my stomping ground. I graduated from Neptune High School. But enough about me. Uh, another personal question tied to, uh, to you, though, uh, is, uh, and, and I have these via Skype as well. Uh, okay, were you involved in the president's treatment or were you actively involved in anything at the time that uh, Dr. Zelenko was involved in the president's treatment? Well, first of all, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. Uh, so I, anybody's treatment I'm involved in, if it goes beyond uh, giving my daughter some hot chicken soup when she's sick, they'd be at great risk. Right. So, <laughs> no, I, I wasn't involved in, in anything like that. Uh, my, um, I'll, I'll share how I came to know Zeb. Uh, back in November of 2020, he was actually banned from Twitter. He was banned from Twitter before Trump, and he was quite proud of that. Uh, he oh. thought that was a badge of honor. And he actually got banned from Twitter for uh, tweeting well wishes uh, to the president and the first lady while they had the virus. And uh, so uh, Zeb was banned from Twitter, and at that time, uh, and Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Still, uh, I do a, a fun show on Rumble every week with my dear friend Tamara Lee called Trend On. And Tamara has a great gift for finding people. And she found this Dr. Zelenko fella. 
And uh, so we had him on the show. And uh, from that, developed uh, a friendship. I wound up doing a, a long-form interview, written interview with him for Human Events. Uh, I am with Human Events Media Group. We own the Human Events platform and the Post Millennial. So uh, that uh, a friendship was born, and we stayed in touch uh, throughout the year. We took spot, spoke regularly, uh, typically about things other than the pandemic. Uh, Zev was a brilliant man. Uh, we used to talk political theory, philosophy, theology. Um, he stretched my brain like a piece of silly putty every time we spoke. And uh, one one day the idea came up that uh, maybe he should write a book, and that was in late August of 2021. And uh, then at that time he picked me to write it. So uh, I know there's a hundred thousand people that write that would have liked to have been picked for that job, but I'm the one that got it. So grateful, uh, sort of dumbfounded uh, as to how that happened, but uh, but we worked well together. Um, spending time with him personally the way I did. Uh, again, I know that's something that probably most people in your audience would have given anything to do. And all I can tell them about him is that he was about a four-foot-tall giant of a man. Uh, the, the first time I met him in person, after having spent countless hours on the phone and uh, Zoom with him, uh, the first time I met him in person, he walked into the room and and I, I felt like uh, I was in the presence of a giant, cast a big shadow. And uh, he had a very powerful presence spiritually. He had a force and style of communication um, that could simply just cut right through you, uh, not with pain, but with, uh, with clarity, right? And uh, he, was, um, he was special. And I, I always say to people, there was no way to spend time with that man and ever be able to look in a mirror at yourself ever again and lie about who and what you are because he was the definition, the epitome of pure, raw honesty. And he demanded it of himself, and then he would bring it out in the people who were around him um, who who understood him. And certainly a life-changing experience for me. Mm. No, incredibly, uh, I, I always call it the, the lucky encounters in life. Uh, sometimes you are able to encounter someone who is uh, a unique or very special individual, you know, and uh, I, I guess a lot of people just call it a blessing. Um, and that's an inaccurate description in my mind uh, when, when you encounter something like this. And uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's something that will remain with you always. Um so about about human events, by the way, uh, could could you tell us just a little bit more about that? What it is you actually do there? Sure. So first of all, Human Events is the oldest conservative publication in the country. Started in 1944, so that's before. Uh, you know, for those who might be younger in your audience and they're not sure of dates and things, that's actually before the end of the Second World War, and uh, uh, its um, mission if you will, by the founders and then by the people that took it over uh, shortly after and owned it for 40 years, was to fight the Cold War. And that was really what they were dedicated to. That was human events. Uh, it was Ronald Reagan's favorite uh, newspaper. It's interesting for me. I used, It was a weekly, and I used to subscribe to it when I was in college many years ago. So uh, who would have dreamt that something I was pulling out of the 
out of the mailbox in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan once a week. Someday I'd be overseeing. But um, so we're a digital platform, news and opinion. We really focus on opinion and news analysis stories. And then our, our sister company, The Post Millennial, is very well known for uh, breaking news, uh, also being at the cold face of all the various things that we've come to call the culture wars in the country. So uh, we've got a great staff of people and on, on both platforms. And uh, I always like to compare and contrast them by saying to folks that my favorite thing in the world is Fresca, and I do not like Coca-Cola, <laughs> but they're owned by the same company. And so you can have Fresca or Coke with us. The post-millennials look and feel and content very different than human events, but they're all under the same ownership um, and uh, human events media group, and, and that's where I sit. Fair enough. So Not as owner. No problem. Humanevents.com is where you can uh, reach that directly. And also, I think the yeah. uh, the post-millennial is just simply thepostmillennial.com as well, right? Correct. Now, I just wanted to clarify and make sure we got that out of the way because I've only got about another 18 or 17 minutes with you. So uh, what is it that you would like people to, you know, what, what is the, before I get to one more question, uh, for, for, or maybe two from the chat and Skype, um, what is the main reason why somebody should explore this story? Uh, like, what sure. is it that sets it apart from other stories? Because, yeah. you know, there's going to be a million uh, stories, you right. know, at some so, point, uh, historians are going to read. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think a couple things. Um, first of all, one of one of the things about reading it just as a book is that uh, people are saying that there's been a lot of books written with a lot of technical data uh, about the pandemic. There's been a lot of books that have been written where people are telling some sort of personal story, uh, but there haven't been a lot of books written that had both good storytelling and facts and information. And this book seems to be that book, uh, at least based on what uh, people in the, the medical freedom space are saying after they read it. So it's very gratifying. I think it's a good read, okay? But why then read it? Why enjoy the good read? Because it's not a work of fiction. The reason is simple. Uh, Zell felt very strongly, to go back to his, family's Holocaust roots, um, he felt that the pandemic that he believed, and so do I, uh, was engineered by man. And the way it was handled in terms of the lockdowns and the mismanagement and all of those things and the suppression of treatment, and then finally the rollout of this vaccine that does in fact uh, alter DNA, uh, he felt all of that was a crime against humanity, and that was not a metaphor for him. He meant that. And so what he did in the book was he wanted to make the case for those elements so that people understood it, so that people would learn to try to embrace critical thinking and skeptical thinking again, so people would stop turning their backs on God and turning their face towards evil and reverse that process, so that once people were done reading the book, the two words that would come to mind would be, Never again. And we've heard those words before. Those are the words we use when we talk about the Holocaust. Zev felt he had every right to use those words because of his family's history. And so he wanted people to read the book so that they might think differently, they might think better, they might embrace faith, 
so that this would never happen again. Mm. Well, and and here you go. There, there's a lot loaded in there, uh, you know, which is controversial and gets us in trouble on different platforms. But it needs to be said because if indeed this is an accurate description of what's gone on here, that humanity has literally been attacked by this. And I don't mean the pandemic, right? I mean the program that has now encouraged people to embrace this. I, 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 I have a hard time calling it a vaccine because the principle of a vaccine and what this thing actually is, I think, is a problem to begin with. But those are some pretty wild claims that this indeed is the destructive thing. Uh, to some people, these are wild claims. I, I'm, I am uh, fully on board with you here, okay? <laughs> but well, look, I uh, yeah. in my house, it's pretty simple. Uh, we all uh, got the China flu. I uh, got it for real, not the most recent. You know, now it's essentially a silly disease. I mean, there's nothing to it at this point. And 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 I say that I say that with great confidence, no apologies at this point in time. It's just a silly disease. It's not a big deal anymore. Mm-hmm. We got it when it was a big deal. And because of my connections, which is not how American medicine is supposed to work, my household was able to get treated right away. And when we got treated right away, we got better in 14 hours. So didn't even take a day. I went from a 102.5 fever to 98.6 from between 9 at night to 10 o'clock the next morning and felt good enough to go to the gym the next day. I didn't go, by the way, but uh, I knew better. The point is that this disease has been treatable since March of 2020. Mm. And again, I repeat, that's when the lockdown started. The day we locked the country down for two weeks to flatten the curve, already Zev had been uncovering how to effectively treat it. And everybody suppressed it. Mm. Well, once I started using zinc and a few other things to, you know, it took me uh, 14 hours. I wish I could have shook it in 14 hours. Uh, I was sick for weeks before I even sought consultation. Uh, but once I did and started to use a few simple things that weren't that bad. I mean, I'll, I'll disclose to you that I used a licorice root as part of it. Uh, in order to uh, uh, help assist with my breathing, and uh, it was helpful. Uh, and, and I did seek some natural solutions, just so you know. I mean, it wasn't all about what could be bought at a pharmacy, in air quotes. But, uh, you know, a little of this, a little of that, and if I had that uh, protocol in front of me, to begin with, I might have been able to acquire things for myself where I wouldn't have needed to go to the hospital or a doctor or anything else if it was just commonly shared knowledge um well here's what i'd like yeah. your here's what i'd like your listeners to do if they're interested mm-hmm. of all things it's not on on our own platform but if you go to uh the american greatness platform which i'm sure your audience is familiar with at least a lot of them are if you go there and you just punch my name in you'll see a piece that was published in late 2021 title of it was basically nobody in my house died from the chinese coronavirus and that should make you angry and in that in that article i share the specifics i mean i actually show the scripts we were given exactly what we were given including the dosage 
and I tell the story of the treatment. I tell the story of the medical groups not treating the vaccinated members of my family, just sending them home with a positive test and telling them to drink water. I got on the phone with my doctor and got got everybody treated. But the whole story's there. And some of the, the false research and also the, vindi- the research that vindicates the treatment protocol is there. So go to American Greatness, punch my name in, and, and have a, you know, Google says it's a eight-minute read or something. Excellent. So, listen, one last thing before I do let you go, because I know, again, I'm running low on time with you. Uh, is there uh, any other way that people, if they wanted to get in touch with you directly, uh, ask you questions, maybe invite you to do a discussion like we've done tonight, uh, whatever, is there a preferred way that they can get a hold of you, uh, social media, or would you like to give out? Because I'll include that with the show notes as well and put it in the chat room uh, because I, I feel as though, you know, information that's not shared and knowledge not shared is uh, is is a, a sin in and of itself. Uh, so the thing is, if, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, do you have a preferred way to do that? Or, like I say, social media? Yeah, or, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm a very social guy, so I'm not on any social media because it's about as antisocial as it gets. Oh, excellent. Uh, okay. But uh, every, every human being that writes me an email gets a response. I got a bunch of email addresses, but let's keep it simple and uh, and use Brent at humanevents.com. So if somebody wants to write me a note, I promise I'll write you back. And um, and my general response to anybody who asks me to to be a guest anywhere is yes. I think if somebody is uh, polite enough to ask, I ought to be polite enough to accept. So happy to talk to anyone, correspond with anyone, answer questions. Again, I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm an educated lay person mm. who had the singular benefit that nobody else got to have, and that was I got to sit with and write a book with the man who discovered how to treat the disease. He was the first. Mm. And uh, that doesn't make me special about me. It makes the experience I had very special. And so I'm happy to share it. You know, every time I'm a guest somewhere talking about the book, I'm fully aware of the fact people would much rather have Zevon as a guest. Uh, but he's not here. So I'm the last man standing, and uh, it's my obligation to show up and answer questions and just do the best I can. Mm. So, again, uh, we'll give the full title of the book and all that. I do have one final question, uh, which I think sure. is interesting, uh, and, and uh, somebody wants to know if you had reached out to anyone that uh, Dr. Z treated uh, after his death, if you've uh, you know followed up with any of the people that he treated uh, directly, and uh, you know what what your experience was with that afterwards, uh, did they have you know things to say uh, after his death or uh, recently or anything like that? Well, I mean, I I know people he treated, so uh, the short answer is of course because I know them and uh, we're friends. But uh, what I think uh, that might be of interest to the person a- asking that question sort of sounds like, you know, now that he's gone, what do people say? Mm-hmm. Well, so when we were writing the book, you know, uh, Zev passed away at the end of June. Manuscript was finished on August 13th, I think it was, to be overly precise. So he didn't get to live to see the finish uh, of the manuscript of the book published. But what do you do when there's two guys' names on a book and one of them passes away before it's done? You can't just finish the book. You've got to do something to acknowledge that. 
So the idea I had, and it turned out to be a good one, I think, is that we got uh, some people together who knew Zeb very well, who had known him in different ways and capacities, but were very close to them. And uh, we created a little roundtable, and I moderated a conversation, asked some questions about, uh, you know, your favorite humorous Zev story. What do you think his impact was on your life? How do you think his le- legacy will be remembered? And so on. And what we did is uh, we transcribed that session, and we made it an appendix to the book. And I think that's a really good way to bring some closure, right, to the to the whole thing. And and then for folks who get the audio book, which is coming soon, uh, and don't worry, I don't read it. I'm sure my voice is grating on you after an hour. Uh, we actually paid a, a, a skilled actor to, to have it read. But um, uh, they'll get to actually hear the session itself, right? So the people that participated in their own voices. And, and I think they'll find that really interesting. Okay, so the audio book will actually contain the audio of that get-together. Uh, Correct. Okay. Well, that I find that interesting in and of itself. Uh, so you know, outside of get the book now, so you can have the uh, you know the the text of it. Uh, I always advise people to try and get a physical book if you can, but physical, digital, whatever, get the text. Um, <clears throat> and the bottom line is that the the audio book, which uh, again I'll be very interested to try and acquire uh, as soon as it's any any idea when that might be available. Well, I one of the I chuckle at that. You know, you'd think I would know, but one of the things that happens when you turn away all your rights to a book is that you lose track of exactly where it is in the process. I do watch the emails a bit. I know it's coming soon. I know it's done, so it's just about formatting and getting it up in the Amazon store, and it'll be very, very soon, and I'm, I'm embarrassed. Uh, it's kind of funny. I, I don't know the exact date, but soon. Fair enough, and and of course the the quote on uh, uh, ZelenkoBook dot com is uh, I want the truth to spread like a mantra, and uh, this is uh, look if there aren't people that already have that in their minds about various things, uh, this this is the key uh, to uh, to improving the world in my opinion. So I I, I love that quote is up there. Uh, there's a lot of things you can explore there. There's a video on the front page, etc. But, um, again, give them the full title. Uh, I love this title, by the way. I even lifted some of it for the keywords uh, for Jack Show. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I published it. I'll probably do the same thing again when we distribute this podcast. But um, in big, bold, white letters on the top of the book, it says Zelenko. But give us the full title. And also, uh, like I said, the links are in the chat room at Ocelli.com 
also to humanevents.com and, and the post millennial and all these other things that we've mentioned. Um, but, uh, yeah, but anyway, the Zelenko book, it says Zelenko in large letters. What is the full title? Uh, Zelenko, how to decapitate the serpent. And real quick for your audience, what, uh, what he meant by that was that Zev, was uh, we didn't really talk much about his faith here, and, and it's a disservice to him if I don't. I used to kind of joke with Zev and say that I, he wasn't a man of faith. He was a man of knowledge, mm. because I don't feel like he actually believed God existed. He knew it. He was certain of it. So certain of it that he was absolutely certain of the fact that God gave him his cancer as a gift, because if he hadn't had his cancer, first of all, when he was given a terminal diagnosis in his mid-40s, he was going to try to find some way to live. And so it taught him how to dig, look for outside-the-box treatments, therapies, ways to do things. So he got into that habit, a habit that would serve him well when the pandemic started. The other thing was for the attacks that he took for having found a treatment and the death threats that his family faced and all the bad things, I mean, he was on an international assassination list out of Germany. We opened the book with that, by the way. Uh, so nothing stopped him. And he was very fond of uh, quoting the scene, or referring to the scene from Band of Brothers, the HBO series about the World War II group, where there's a, a moment where the guys in the, in the unit are asking this one guy, why do you do such crazy things? Why do you take such risks? And he looks at his, his mates and he says, you guys don't get it. We're already dead. And so Zeb felt like he was already dead. And nobody on this earth could scare him because God gave him cancer. God wanted him to do this. Nobody on earth would, would presented him with anything he needed to fear. And by decapitating the serpent, he meant that the forces of evil are very present in this world and that people can be subjected to them either voluntarily or through ignorance. And he really couldn't mind to be sorting through the difference. The point was that if you turned your faith and your belief to God, he believed that that would show you a way to defeat evil and, to tie it all together, never let this happen again. So that's what decapitating the serpent uh, means. It is, of course, a, a long-time literary and scriptural sort of reference. And, and he meant it in that sense, a serpent representing evil, and he wanted people to uh, to stop it and that they had the power within themselves to do so. Well, I thought it also served uh, an interesting metaphoric purpose in that, look, the, the symbol for the medical society is a snake on a staff, is it not? So, you know, if you're decapitating said snake because it is not serving its purpose as was intended, uh, this would be another way to look at it metaphorically. But uh, but I I uh, I clearly understand what the intent is here, and uh, very very thoughtful about it. And I want to thank you uh, for taking this time. Sorry about the little uh, delay in our start time today, but uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, again. The the first place for you to go is ZelenkoBook.com. Not you, Brent. <laughs> Obviously, the listener. Right. ZelenkoBook.com. I'm sure Brent's been there. Uh, but you know the thing yeah, is, buy one, buy yeah. one for yourself, and buy one for a friend, and buy one for your local library, and donate it so that uh, 
you know, libraries aren't going to get these otherwise unless somebody brings it in and, and donates a copy to them. So we're hoping that at least one person in every town in the country buys one, right? So every every library gets a copy. Well, you know, that that would be nice, but I say share the information, share the book, share the story even, and, uh, you know, do, do it as much justice as you can. Sorry we didn't focus on his faith, but I, I thought that it was most essential to get to all of these other things first and, uh, and quite frankly, let you tie a bow on it with his faith. Uh, so that was the intent. I'm so glad you did that. And, again, uh, extremely grateful that you took the time to do this with us today. So, uh, Brent, you know, uh, I, I will talk to you a little bit off air as soon as we uh, get out of here just real fast. But thank you, sir, again, for taking the time to uh, create this book, to make sure that it was created. Again, no profit goes to Brent. This all goes to the foundation. And I want you guys to Correct. explore for yourselves and find out exactly what's going on there. But I'll also give you the links to the other publications and what it is that Brent does. He, uh, what, what is your technical title there, the chairman or... Uh, executive editor works. Executive editor, okay. Uh, the executive editor. Yeah and, over, I, yeah. yeah, and I write, you'll, uh, if you go on the Human Events site and click on my picture, the picture goes away mercifully, and then you can uh, <laughs> look at some of the stuff I published. And um, there's, uh, there is, uh, for your audience to know, one of the things that I wrote that is also an appendix of the book was a tribute piece that I wrote to Zeb before he died. And uh, I did that because, you know, people always write stuff about folks after they die. And it always seemed to me that depending upon what gets to happen in the hereafter, maybe they don't get to read it. So I wrote a piece about uh, Zeb and who he was that we published at Human Events uh, prior to his death. Uh, when he read the piece, I didn't tell him I was writing it. And when he read it, he called me, and I will just share that it was quite an emotional conversation with him uh, after he read the piece I wrote. Uh, that piece is on the Human Events website, and then, like I say, it's also in the book, republished in its entirety. Right, and uh, that that is, and also interesting that uh, an audio version of this will become available where you can uh, hear that gathering that uh, that Brent talked about here during the show, which I I think would be great for you to hear it for yourself. Plus, audio books are very useful to a guy like me. So again. Uh, Dr. Okay, Zelenkobook.com. It's the story about Dr. Zelenko, the, the true story. And, uh, you know, it, it does seem as though it's a divinely inspired story, in my estimation, and that's the way I'll put it. But anyway, the Ocelli Effect will continue after a short break tonight. Uh, thanks again, Brent, for doing this. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Stick around, guys. Stock market. WallStreetWindow.com. Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com. Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, 
understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com. Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. For as little as $50 a month, you can buy an ad for your business, podcast, book, or any message you want heard on one or more of the Ocelli.com shows. To find out more, contact ads at Ocelli.com. That's A-D-S at Ocelli.com. Be heard with us. Revelation through conversation. Ocelli.com. Ocelli.com Revelation through conversation. Bad profit on the airways. I am here every Thursday, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock Pacific time, right here on the Ocelli Radio Network, which is really one of the most, uh, uh, I think it's the gem in the landscape of media today. Please donate, buy a coffee and some smokes. For my man, my producer, and the owner of this network, Chuck, today by donating at Ocelli.com. Keep it alive. Keep it alive. Ocelli.com. Revelation through conversation. Uncle, do you remember that time when the year 2012 was going to create the apocalypse end of the world? Right. And it thought it would come to the end. Did it ever end up that way? No. Yeah. Like we say, the only way it would end is when he is ready for it to win. That's how it is. So if you want the real truth about 2012, you better listen to the Ocelli.com radio network. Com. Yeah, forget John Cusack. John Cusack doesn't doesn't know what he's talking actually about. Correct. But we here at the Ocelli Radio Network sure do. Do you understand and understand where it's actually coming from? Ocelli.com.
listening to the Ocelli.com radio network. Revelation through conversation. was something huh i mean uh the the story of dr zelenko obviously we didn't get to all of it tonight but uh that's why there's a book out there telling you the story right <laughs> so anyway uh brent brent amachek you know i had a little bit of confusion and technical issues just getting to my own show tonight uh but uh we got it done and you guys heard it all so there it is um but i think it's it's very fascinating that there was uh, a quite a variety of instances actually i mean not taking anything away from dr zelenko and what it is he did accomplish uh, apparently you know again with a 7500 patient count and he experienced three deaths didn't even go into how it is or why it is his patients died but uh you know that's not a bad ratio i would say for somebody that was uh, supposed to be treating you know this horrendous frightening extremely scary pandemic right that was so profoundly dangerous that we needed to put the whole country on hold for months right well regionally you you your experiences might have varied but there it was the c virus the c word if you will the corona the corona agenda all of that taking place shutting down the economy putting people's businesses out of business uh, uh, putting a stop to everything because God help you, you can't even be anywhere near somebody unless you're properly social distanced and masked, right? Terminology, all those things, they were important at the time, weren't they? How many people do you actually know that died actually from this thing? How many people do you know that were just kind of unhealthy and might have been killed by a stiff breeze at the time? Ah, again, your experiences might vary. Mine did, that's for sure, and I'm sure yours did as well. So, I did plan to do a few different things, and tomorrow night we're, we're going to have a more interesting time on the network for sure, because Get Mad with Chris Graves will be live at 6 p.m., and then at 8 p.m. I'm going live, and this time I'm going to have the libertarian from Jersey <laughs> on with me. Somebody was shocked by the idea that there is a libertarian in Jersey, but I was kind of a libertarian in Jersey till I had to leave because I couldn't afford to live there anymore. Which, by the way, can you afford to live anywhere? You out there listening, can you at this point? Maybe we'll cover that with a special segment with Mike Swanson tomorrow night because uh, he's not going to be available on Thursday. We'll get to him in the second hour of my show tomorrow. Uh, but for now... Uh, do I want to analyze the news? Do I want to go over this? Do, do I want to recap and do the post-mortem on the balloon they killed? Do I want to do that? Do I want to talk about the state of the union, the state of the state? Do I want to get into that? Not really. Tell you this, though, you're going to have another Ocelli in the Greek coming up this week. You're going to have... Uh, Quite a few interesting things as Chris Graves moves forward with Get Mad. Jack Blood on Thursday. The show might sound a little different, guys. I've gotten some production stuff from people. And uh, who knows? 
the whole network might sound very different by the end of the month. And also I have plans for getting the archives and relaunching a bunch of shows that people probably forgot about. Probably. Yeah, right. No, they did forget about them because they're not on YouTube and easily accessible anymore. And they're not easily available from my archive because I can't afford to pay for massive storage. So maybe we'll re-release some choice pieces from the Ocelli.com archive. And uh, we'll do that for a little while. Plus, uh, I got my own personal book and audio books coming up. And uh, I'm anxious to see what happens with the Zelenko book and how the audio is going to come out. I'm looking to get that, but still, I think it's a, a worthy story that needed retelling. I know Jack had the same guy on as a guest, and yes, he is uh, very conservative in the uh, legitimate, standard, and typical way. But, um, hey, you know what? Wherever the truth comes from, wherever we find it, is where we should get it. So, not always on board with the liberal, not always on board with the conservative, but always, always on board with the truth. That's what we do here, and at least that is our best efforts. When they are at their best, that's what we do here. And i got to say, I do strongly disagree with some of the opinions and other things expressed by many of the people that come on this network one way or another. But... Um, it's all relevant, and it's all part of the world around us. And at the end of the day, I do believe that we are all exploring this together and must continue to do so. So, for tonight, I'll leave it this way. I am really O'Celli. All of you are indeed the effect. Good night. Revelation through conversation. through conversation. The views expressed by callers, students, or anyone else who happens to get on the air at Ocelli.com do not necessarily reflect the views of Ocelli.com or Chuck Ocelli, and we are not responsible for any stupidity which might ensue. Thank you. WallStreetWindow.com Gold. Silver. The stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. Every time I put it on my face, I'm able to breathe... 
just a little bit deeper. What are people saying about MyTrueEssence.net? I want to tell you something serious, man. I just want to tell you, listeners. I bought some uh, some of that Modifilin from uh, Christy, and she gave me she got she made me up some of this emu oil mixed with some other stuff. I don't know what's in it, but I like the way it smells. And I uh, started putting it on, rub, rubbing it on my foot, rubbing it on my knee, and like the second day, I didn't, you know, I, I just noticed it. I'm walking around. I'm like, damn, my knee is loose. But I can tell you that 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 oil you gave me helped me with my carpal and my shoulder problem. And if it wasn't, I couldn't even, I, I wouldn't be working. My ankles started to really be pesky and bother me. And I am telling you, the pain just went away. Such the oil's rule. And when I put that on, it's just, it's like my skin came alive. dot com. Revelation through conversation. Go ahead, caller. Hey, I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim. Oswald girlfriend. She knew Ruby and Barry. Cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination book into her claims? Go to Amazon. Enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, (laughs) a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at KIASJFK at AOL.com. It's a fun book, and it actually dissects the many, many fans. Fantastic claims. Judith Mary Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. Uncle, I'll bet you remember the time when Benjamin Fulford said that the Asian Secret Society was going to dispatch ninjas to take out the Illuminati to change the entire world for the better. That is never going to happen. That never did. It never did, did it? Mm -mm. Yeah, because there's a lot of false promises. Fools! I can't say one. We better not say be polite. But there are no false promises at the Ocelli.com radio network. That's exactly it. Not. It's truth, the point, right to the point. And this is what I like. Straight to the point. Ocelli. Ocelli.com. Listen now. Listen now. In denial, secret wars with airstrikes and tanks by Larry Hancock. Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations that are still happening today. Larry Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations that are still happening today. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. You're listening to the Ocelli.com radio network. Man profit on the airways. I am here every Thursday, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock Pacific time, right here 
on the Ocelli Radio Network, which is really one of the most, uh, I think it's the gem in the landscape of media today. Please donate, buy a coffee and some smokes for my man, my producer, and the owner of this network, Chuck, today by donating at Ocelli.com. Keep it alive. Keep it alive. Ocelli.com. Revelation through conversation. I want them to appreciate the incredible job we're doing. We are doing a job the likes of which has never been done before. You're going to have mental depression for people. You're going to have large numbers of suicides. Take a look at what happens in a really horrible recession or worse. So you're going to for as little as $50 a month, you can buy an ad for your business, podcast, book, or any message you want heard on one or more of the Ocelli.com shows. To find out more, contact ads at Ocelli.com. That's A-D-S at Ocelli.com. Be heard with us. Revelation through conversation. Ocelli.com. Ocelli.com. The War State by Michael Swanson explains the great national transformation that took place and put the Kennedy presidency in the context of the times and reveals never-before-published information about the Cuban Missile Crisis. President Kennedy would not have been assassinated if he had been president 200 years ago. His assassination took place in the context of the Cold War and the rise of the national security state. Before World War II, the United States was a continental republic. In the decade that followed, it became an imperial superpower. Generals such as Curtis LeMay not only wanted to invade Cuba, but knew that there were short-range missiles on the island armed with nuclear warheads that they could not destroy because they were on mobile launchers. Their invasion could have led to a third world war, and they wanted to go to war anyway. The War State by Michael Swanson reveals why and will show you what President Kennedy was up against. For more information, thewarstate.com. Do you like history, real history, that you were never taught in schools? Why? The Vietnam War, nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia by author Mike Swanson with new documentation never seen before that will open your eyes to events that led up to this. Why? The Vietnam War, nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia, 1945 through 1961. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Why? The Vietnam War by author Mike Swanson. What would I do? Revelation through conversation. In a radio show slash podcast. You want the good news? Listen to the Ocelli Effect. Chuck Ocelli is the most underrated voice in all media. News, education, and entertainment. The Daily Bread from Ocelli.com. Go there. Save yourself from ignorance. Ocelli.com. But we all agreed to put Ocelli.com on the news. 